Welcome to December's episode of Sleeping with the Moon. And if you've been with us all year, thank you, and I hope you've enjoyed the journey, for this is the last in the series. December's full moon was called the Cold Moon, given the name by the Native American Indians. I thought that this full moon was called the Beaver Moon, and as my imagination had already started going along that path, I've included Beaver in this story as a protagonist, in which he does meet the Cold Moon. In research for this story, I've been reading Tarka the Otter, about time too, Henry Williamson's wonderful novel about an otter down in the rivers of Devon. And I've also been reading excerpts from George Monbiot's book called Feral, which goes into environmentalism, ecology, and most importantly for me, rewilding of the landscape through native animals. So, settle back, snuggle up warm, you'll need it, because we are now going into the story, which is called The Moon is Cold. Twilight always brought thoughts of home to Beaver's industrious mind. The semi-aquatic lodge and its secret entrances, built between the teeming pool and the gentle trickle of filtering water where he lived with his mate. Beaver's work was important, but he wasn't under any illusion about its value being any higher than wolf, raven or frogs as the seasons rolled by. So if this rich, marginal space of land and water was cherished as home, where plenty of work could be found, why would you ever consider leaving? There was a greater power that enforced its might. The beavers, like others, wanted to stay, but the harsh rule of sun had already blistered the land and burnt many lives. Hiding places were becoming fewer from the threat and punishment of the inescapable heat, and the dark hours were no safer where packs of feral hounds hunted without mercy through the long claws of night. Flocks of birds stirred in the early morning light, gliding in the currents of air that circulated above the trees, calling together, singing farewell, migrating from the relentless stifling governance of sun. A one-way flight? Or were the plans to return already coded into their navigational minds? You would think it acceptable to leave, but many had tried and perished, trying to escape from the tyranny of sun's autocratic rule. Its decree, fueled by fanatical obsession, was to stay and obey. Others had already undertaken their clandestine departure, attempting to outthink and outrun the omnipresence of the inexorable heat. Many had been caught, many incarcerated, disappearing underground, deprived from the light, erased from memory and sight. Should I stay and resist, thought Beaver, to support friends, alliances and allegiances, or is this all futile? 
And what am I leaving here as I cannot find elsewhere? There will always be trees and rivers wherever we roam, but we will never be able to call them ours as they won't be growing in the soil of our land. Beaver, feeling insecure, had buried himself in his work, trying to rid his mind of these thoughts. He had built a new lodge to escape the gnawing questions, but they had found a way through the densely packed walls, never giving him any rest. He wrestled with his let's do it attitude. He found that he couldn't share his feelings with his mate. Why was he so resistant? After cutting down an alder with his splintering teeth and watching it crash into the undergrowth, he slipped into the pool created by the dam with an inch of furred spine, ear, eye and nostrils above the waterline. Swimming through the silence, he dived below, leaving a string of bubbles before resurfacing to a shower of wood dust accompanied by the sound of a knock knocking. Squinting into the sunlight, he saw a woodpecker hammering into the trunk of an elm, which always left him feeling dizzy. "'You taking my lead?' said Beaver. "'And building a new home?' "'Too right!' squeaked Woodpecker. "'This wood is dry as a bone. I'll be moving in today.' Beaver pondered. "'But if your materials aren't sound, then your building won't last.' "'Then I'll excavate another,' she cried." But surely that's a waste of time. Why not build a more resilient structure from the start? It'll take longer, but last much longer. Nothing lasts forever, she squeaked. Beaver's throat grumbled. By the way, your new lodge looks beautiful. Is she pleased? I would be over the moon. Fancy having the luxury of someone building a home for you. Beaver was lost for words which he always was when receiving compliments. Before replying, Yes, and thanks. So you're staying then, she called. The warblers left this morning. Did you hear them? Beaver always found it difficult talking with Woodpecker, because she could never ask one question at a time, and never waited for a full answer. Yes, I heard the warblers earlier today, although it didn't stop me working. And to answer your first question, we will be staying, until we decide to choose the contrary. And if the time comes when we decide to leave, we will be ready, unless we decide the opposite. So, does that mean you're staying or leaving? questioned Woodpecker. Beaver was a creature of habit, and rarely strayed from home. Any plan manual task or structural issue to solve was no problem, but he couldn't cope with indecision. He needed help from his mate on matters of the heart, but pride thwarted him from asking. Beaver spent many days distracted from his work, plagued by the same thoughts spinning around in his mind. 
which were now being compounded by the continuous drilling of woodpecker. Damnation, will you give it a rest? I can't work, can't think, can't rest, with your dreadful clatter all day. Desist, you head-banging heathen! Woodpecker didn't hear above the din the first time. Oi, you thick-skulled bird-brain, stop that racket, or I'll chop it down and spit it out in small pieces. The second time she did and was mortally wounded. I'm sorry, she squealed as she flew away. The embers of day simmered into restless night that smouldered until first light when the omnipotent heat returned and intensified. The warblers had gone. The bees were staying and making hay, the raccoons making preparations to abandon these parched lands. The water was warming, the river falling, the pool evaporating, and the life that depended on it was vanishing. We will build another home, said his mate. With your drive and determination, we can do it. It's just the letting go of what we've got that's stopping you. Don't be frightened. It's only change. You're a doer and a builder, beaver. So be a believer. We will survive and succeed together. Beaver looked into the reflections of the pool and saw a motionless creature staring at him with glazed eyes. He listened out for woodpecker and the warblers, but heard nothing, nothing but the still, silent, omnipresence of sun, and knew it was time to go as the last leaves of woodpecker's elm fell to the forest floor. Leaving home is leaving everything you've ever known, wished for, been given and granted, family, friends, memories, existence. So when you leave, where do you go? That night, Beaver masterminded a plan to take them along the safer waterways, avoiding routes patrolled by the mercenary hounds, away from danger, away from the oppression of sun, towards safety and a new place called home. It was almost too much for them to leave, but neither looked back as they made their way downstream with the river's modest flow. They took off at first light against their nocturnal instincts, believing that the hotter parts of the day were safer from the feral predators. Although the relative security of the river was a better option than travelling overland, the canopy was thin overhead, leaving them open to aerial threat. Their ears, eyes and nose, that ran streamline with their projecting spines, were on constant alert for potential danger, submerged in the water, scouring the sky and prowling the riverbanks as the draining colours of early winter fell and spun into the river's current. They swam one behind the other, with their front paws tucked under their chests. Powered by their strong tail, Webbed feet and the river's flow, they made good progress, pausing to snack on anything edible without leaving the water. Floating leaves, bankside grasses, water plants and bark stripped from a fallen aspen. As the temperature cooled, the light faded and night settled in. Beaver continued to repeat the words of his mate over and over in his mind. 
we will survive and succeed together. Snuggling together in a nook of a fallen tree, a recurring dream gnawed away in Beaver's sleep. He was standing with his front claws digging in, and tail flat on the ground propping him up as he bit and chewed into a delicious pine, but the hole remained the same, never increasing in size. The dream kept him from sleep. He ran it through his mind, concluding that it was telling him to change his plans of travelling in the light. So, nudging his mate, they slipped silently into the silken water to continue their journey in the dark. Birch saplings stood motionless on the bank as a warm breeze rustled the last clinging leaves. The distant call of an owl could be heard. The bare canopy traced its fingered branches overhead in silhouette to the paler reach of night's ashen ceiling. Grey turned to pink, and the wan blue light of morning bleached the sky. Beaver felt pleased that his decision had succeeded as they pressed on towards their unknown destination. A muted knock knocking echoed faintly through the forest, and Beaver thought of Woodpecker and how she had disappeared after his blunt rebuke. With his mind still reflecting, his mate let out a faint whine, and his hair bristled. She had scented dogs. Beaver stirred the water in front of her with a lash of his tail, and they increased their speed, keeping to the centre of the river. Howling calls snatch at a distance, canine footfall pounding closer, the baying pack hungry for a catch. Dewlap jowls closing in, scampering claws scratching dirt, lolling tongues salivating. Blood gums licking, juicing with spit and spume, ravenous eyes locking quarry, teeth clenched. Streaking along the riverbank, the hounds leapt over fallen trunks and broken margins, hurtling parallel with the beavers. In the water they were safe, faster and more agile, and if the hounds entered they were able to dive, submerge and hide. A river bend emerged, with a silted strip of land and a fallen oak bridging the waterway. The hounds bounded down to the spit, some slipping along the wet trunk, hanging their heads close to the choking river. For a moment the beavers slowed, assessing the danger then ploughed on at full speed, careering towards the obstacle. Jaws yelping and snapping, gnashed towards exposed heads and necks, which vanished below the surface to steer a course through the mangled branches that lie under the bowl of the tree. On the other side, a loop of bubbles rushed to the surface and Beaver broke through, scanning for his mate. With the curdling cries of the hounds ringing, he scanned around to see a ream of water sink further downstream. He then turned towards a fallen oak to the welcome sound of squeaking and his mate resurfaced. A dark shape swelled beneath them. He slapped hard with his tail. The river surged and a giant reptilian wave dragged his mate under the water. Beaver dived, scratching and biting with his huge, sharp teeth, but the armoured body of the caiman was too thick to penetrate, and whipping its tail, Beaver was flung aside and scrambled to the safety of a riverside burrow, away from the yelping hounds. 
traumatised and trapped. Beaver slapped with his tail, biting the bankside walls, whining with pain until his voice fell silent. It was his possessive nature that had led to this, his decision to leave, to follow his dream, to travel by day. His rigid mind had caused this tragedy. Beaver splashed into the water, death wishing, to be swallowed by the dark shadows that skulked beneath the surface. But no saviour was forthcoming. And so he swam, with no plan, no direction, no aim, filled with loss and a sense that nothing existed outside of his suffering. As he drifted with a current, he hadn't realised that the temperature was cooling and a veil of mist was rolling in through the gaps between the trees. The mist thickened into a blanket of fog, shrouding the course of the winding river, seeping into the thinning of trees. Daylight dwindled, and the leeching coils of dusk suffocated the innocent light of day. Beaver felt the thickening of freezing water, slush turning to brittle ice, blocking his course ahead. Instinctively he began to gnaw at the frozen block with vaporous breath, tiny pieces splintering. A sliver of moonshine illuminated the overwhelming surface that stretched and meandered ahead. With weariness and a growing sense of futility, Beaver hauled himself out of the frozen river, his tail feeling like a burden he would now have to carry. He heard the splash. The moment when his mate had been dragged under, he shivered in revulsion, shook the water from his fur, then shivered again in the freezing fog that had descended. Now, more vulnerable, he dragged himself forward to where he didn't know. Unknown shapes loomed into view, with spiny fingers and skeletal forms etched into the crisp, sharp air. Everything known, everything alien. Dead branches twisting, contorted, stumbling through the tangle of cratered hollows, staggering over the rise of fallen debris. Beaver was reeling lurching from the commands of his purposeful mind to a sense of despair and self-recrimination. If he disappeared and perished, who would know? Who would care? The curtain of fog had muted any sounds. Only the occasional drop of leaves snapping their stems from the biting cold. A faint wing beat overhead, eluding the tracery of branches a whimper that came from his grieving heart. Suffusive light permeated the clouds, and the face of the moon, pale, cold and indifferent, glared down on its domain. A shiver ran through Beaver's body. Crawling forward, a scattered carpet of white took shape in the gloomy light, 
disgorged feathers from a recent kill. The bulk of a bird perched above, black mottled wings, grey scimitar talons, yellowing eyes in its disc-like head, fixed on the furred creature dragging itself across the frozen terrain. Who, who are you in the cold moon's realm, denizen of dam, rooter of river? But Beaver slumped on, without response, caring not for the aerial threat that could swoop and screech. The air thinned and darkness subdued, as he stumbled into the dense cover of forest, pine, larch, fir, birch. At first he didn't see it, hunkered against the deciduous trunk, amongst the frosted leaves, silent and still. Then its features melded to form the body of a goat, a herd animal, all alone. Beaver stopped and stared, although it looked in no pain and showed no sign of concern at his approach. Its haze eyes were focused on something outside this world. I am waiting, and it won't be long. The herd migrated, and I am now one. Seasons, memories, lives move on. The longest night is soon upon, with the cold reach of the moon to exalt us in her world. Circumscribed by fear, restricted from afar, one orb, one track mind. Beaver sat beneath Goat's tree, his tail between his legs, remembering his mate and the word she would sometimes whisper. The great bird that sits waiting in the forest of night, and when it is time her wings will stretch, wide and wrap you in feathers of warmer water where there is no pain or hurt. Beaver looked towards Goat. A leaf fell in silence. Goat's eyes had closed. Beaver leant back on the tree. He murmured, letting out a muted whine, his body trembling. He looked around at the pale, unwelcoming, alien world of frozen water and shut out the cold light of the moon, and felt himself starting to sink. Soft feathers encircling, enveloping the embracing wings of the great bird. The moon stared at the frozen forest from her lofty throne, her soft voice seeping into Beaver's mind. You are not valued by your kind. The birds left without you. Woodpecker abandoned you. Cayman killed your mate. You are welcome here. Build a new lodge, and I will give you the miracle of fire to keep you warm. Beaver fell under Moon's spell, built a lodge and warmed himself by the miraculous fire. Twists of pungent smoke drifted to the twitching noses of bear, raccoon and moose, who were suffering out in the cold on the longest night. Down in Beaver's world, where shadows play tricks on the mind, owl screeched, wolf howled, let us in, let us in, but he didn't hear woodpecker knocking. This lodge is mine, said Beaver, moon gave it me, build your own. 
Huddled to the warmth of the fire, Beaver sang songs of old. Twitching toes, scratching nose, and licking the fat between fingers. Let's dance till we drop, said the animals, and wail at the moon, and Beaver will join us and sing very soon. But Beaver blocked his ears to the animals' pleas with mud from water and land, the elements that bore him, now burying him in selfish withdrawal. Down in Beaver's world, where shadows play tricks on the mind, Owl screeched, wolf howled, let us in, let us in, but he didn't hear Woodpecker knocking. We're cold and it's dark, the longest night is upon us. We all suffer loss, said Beaver, be more industrious. The animals left and shivered with cold, but Woodpecker stayed, selfless and bold. She continued knocking, showers of wood dust flocking to fill the holes of the lodge. Beaver heating, beaver coughing, choking on smoke, sweating the toxins that clouded his mind, and as woodpecker beat the rhythm of the earth, beaver dreamt. Travelling between worlds, from land to water, warmer water where the sun wasn't vain, where flowers bloomed and bees thrived, working together with purpose. And thoughts began to gather in his busy mind as he watched them building their dream together. And thoughts began to gather of recognising and honouring the skills of each other. And thoughts began to gather that each animal could fulfil part of the puzzle from which community ensues. And thoughts began to gather of how he could help others through making ponds and wetland where others could thrive, filtering water, retaining sediment through dams, thinning trees for new habitats, gnawing stems that would grow anew, and even capturing carbon in silt. His mind was buzzing. feelings began to rise as he remembered the words of his mate. We will survive and succeed together. And then from somewhere above, Beaver heard something. Let me in, let me in. It was Woodpecker not knocking and finally she was heard. Beaver opened his eyes in the dark of the lodge, shook himself from side to side, battering the walls with his thrashing tail as Woodpecker hammered from above. The cold of the moon pierced through, but Beaver only felt the warmth of what lie ahead. He looked at Woodpecker, hopping up and down, her face beaming joy and devotion. I wasn't going to give up, she said. I would have been knocking till the end of time. I believe you would, said Beaver. Let's get started. We have some work to do. Oh, good. I think I could learn a lot from you about planning ahead, said Woodpecker. And I know now I could learn a lot from you about being more sensitive to others' feelings. 
We'll make a great team together, shrieked Woodpecker. We need to gather the animals and those who have fallen under the cold spell of the moon, surrendering to the comfort of feathers. And as beaver and woodpecker swam and flew to warmer waters, summoning and waking those who had fallen asleep, the west wind blew and the warblers returned, spreading the song of the new dawn. And singing, we will survive and succeed together. You're a doer and a builder, beaver, so be a believer. Well, thank you for listening to When the Moon is Cold, and I hope that didn't chill you too much. In fact, I hope the sentiments of the story warmed your heart, and like Beaver, I wish you well on your journey. Thanks go to Mark Smullyan for his wonderful, evocative, atmospheric music, which I think adds so much to the story. Thanks go, as ever, to Pommy Harmer for producing this. And today I'd like to dedicate this story to a very good friend, Awet who has made an incredible journey in his life and is now seeing better days. If you want to meet me in person, you can on Clevedon Pier in North Somerset. So get in contact with the pier itself, where I am telling the stories on a monthly basis, alongside creative workshops, where at some of those workshops other artists will be coming along. We have a singer-songwriter, we have somebody teaching Chinese calligraphy and we also have a visual artist. So that's Clevedon Pier in North Somerset. Hope to see you there. <laughs>